and embracing those feelings, as uh, Karen said. You know, like even when we do our practice, it doesn't mean we don't get to feel uncomfortable feelings, but we have a better way of going like, oh, this must be one of my old creations wanting to come home. The effects of earlier choices that want to come home and want to be owned. Oh, I love and don't want to be resisted or given away or pushed. Oh, no, I've let go of that. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. It's usually that people have pushed something away. But if we feel an uncomfortable feeling and we then, instead of closing the heart, open to the breath and try to open that heart and to fully feel that feeling. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always a blessing to be with you all. Well, look who's online with me again today, the beautiful Robin Collins, who I spoke to in 2017. We caught up. Robin and I met years ago. I don't know, 20 years ago, honey, 20. Easily. A while ago (laughs) when we were both younger and uh, doing spiritual energy healing courses and having spiritual awakenings. And we caught up for the show in 2017 to hear Robin's story and her awakening story and how she got into the work that she's doing today and you know, the tragedies that cause that with many of us that awaken, it's always, not always, often it's tragedy that pushes us onto our spiritual path. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi Karen, thank you for having me back. (laughs) And Robin has changed her name again from Robin to Shantari. I think you were Shantari when I first met you and then you changed your name back to Robin and we're back to Shantari. And please remember, if you're liking the shows, to press that subscribe button, send me a comment, let me know what you think. But uh, Robin's got someone that you'd like to introduce us to that you're doing some work with. Do you want to introduce Ori? I do. Um, yes, uh, a very, very, very deep, close close friend of my heart. I'm sure we were have been partners in crime in many lives and we've returned together. So I'd like to introduce my dear friend, Ori Anna Lightning from um, currently from Bali. Hello there. Hey, Robin. Hey, Karen. Hi. Thank you for inviting me on this show. Hello, Ori. Thank you. So Ori is in Bali at the moment. And Robin, and where are you? You're in you're in New South Wales. I'm on the central coast. On the central coast at at the moment. So let me let me tell you a little bit about I actually haven't met Ori before. I know nothing about him. So we're going to hear about him today and what Robin and Ori have been up to and what you've been up to since we last spoke in 2017. I think a lot has happened. Mm-hmm. But it says here that, um, of course, Robin is a um, a spiritual teacher and she's got a few books out, Return to Soul, and does meditations and all sorts of things. We'll talk about that later. But Adi is a Adi receiver, custodian, and attunement oracle for the Shanti Cristo sound symbol 
Aramaic sound code activations. It's a mouthful, but we're going to hear about what that's about. But you started because um, at the height of his material and professional and artistic achievement, a dark night of the soul announced itself that lasted three years. Everything closed down and went back. Even your singing voice was taken away and you couldn't sing. And in the depths of despair, you looked out and called on a God you didn't believe in at the time, asking, if this is it, I don't want to take everything there. has to be another way. So, yeah, I'm fascinated to hear about your journey and what you're up to now. And, mm. and Santali and Ori are both way of master pathway teachers sharing their own unique gifts received from their separate pilgrimages to Israel in 2004 and 2016. So we might start with Ori because I don't know much about Ori. That's okay. Sure. I'd love to hear more about your journey. What happened during your dark night of the soul? Well, it went dark. So everything inside me closed up. I couldn't receive anything. Singing voice was gone. I was a professional uh, tattooer and had been for uh, 30 years or so. I knew to ask inside. And, you know, so I looked up, asked what I asked, and it was heard. But then I started to realize I needed help. I had been, you know, spiritual and a little bit of Buddhist, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And Buddhism actually opened me up to a new spiritual growth. So I'm, I was always very thankful for that. But I went more on the amuletic side and, and the, the magical side. So I knew I wasn't truly a Buddhist. Or if I wanted to wake up with Buddhism, it would take me four lifetimes to get to know everything about it. So then I asked inside, like, who would I trust? You know, I'm, I know I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a Hindu, I'm not a Muslim. Who would I trust? And lo and behold, Jesus showed up. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, dude, because I had pushed him out already when I was about seven, churchy stuff that, you know, didn't make sense to me. And, you know, so he stayed at a distance, but quite insistent. So I was like, yeah, yeah. you know, truth be told, you... I would trust. And then I said, like, well, if you would have left behind teachings as the Buddha did to become as you, then I would follow. Then I would do. To my awareness, those weren't around. I couldn't, I hadn't found them in the Bible, which I actually didn't really read. And, uh, you know, so he smiled and, you know, left it at that. And then a few weeks later, somebody gave me a book. I don't know why, but I have to give you this book. Okay, so I took the book. And I wanted to read it, but I couldn't. Like the, the letters on the page would dance. I couldn't like read a whole sentence out of it. So, and that lasted for about three years. This dark night. And it the dark night of the soul from one day to the other stopped. I woke up one morning and I could have swore it was exactly three years, but I have no way of knowing that. And then I went like, oh, something had lifted. The darkness, the heaviness, 
like, oh, I think I'm done. And then I started to read in the book. And I read on the first page, this is a required course. The only freedom that you have is when you take it, not if you take it. And that you have freedom to choose doesn't mean you get to set the curriculum for your homecoming. Signed, Jay. So this was Course in Miracles. So I'm like, like, I knew that was what I had asked. I knew that's what I said I would follow if, if it were around. So then, you know, I had to follow. But reading the whole text, which is quite thick, voluminous, wasn't going to work for me. So I started on the year thing. It's a year's course. Every day you have like a different lesson, different meditation, different practice. I can do that. So I started on that. And pretty soon things started to really shift in my consciousness. You know, I would look out on whatever was occurring in front of me and my thoughts connected to it. And if I would do the meditation, people would just shift. They would start talking in a different way. They looked a different way. I'm like, okay, you know, this, this is good stuff. It's not just something, a philosophy that I'm reading. It's an active something. Being who I am, you know, I, I went through it. And then I was in connection with this being, Jesus. But I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's nice, dude. And, you know, I like all these little things. But if you are who you say you are, and this is called a course in miracles, I want freaking miracles. I want the real, the real thing, the real McCoy, which he supplied. And uh, so I, one day I was going to my girlfriend at Time. She was in Kotao, a small island in uh, Thailand. I was in Kotao, she was in Kopanga. She was doing this month long retreat. So I got to visit her in the, on the Sunday when they had a day off. I didn't take my book because it was thick and I just travel, I like to travel light. So I just, you know, shirt pants on the boat to Kopangan. And my lesson for that day was. God is my refuge and my security. God is my refuge and security. It's my refuge and security. So it like looped itself in my mind and it went through my body. The whole thing was like constant. I wasn't speaking with anyone. I was just looking out on the boat and walking towards the place where my girlfriend was. And it was just going on. So I was going to take her to a waterfall so there's a, a river on the island I take it there we go in i give some tobacco to the forest spirits some alcohol and uh, asking blessings stepping into the river blessing the, the sides and where the water is coming from where it's going to and start to walk up and i'm barefoot i've been walking barefoot for about 15 years now, I'm walking. And all of a sudden, there's a big rock. I start to climb the rock. And uh, so I'm about 
my feet are about two meters high. I'm climbing this rock. All of a sudden, I can't go left, can't go right, can't go up, and I can't go back because I can't see. So I'm like, wow, this is not so good. If, you know, like, what am I going to do? You know, my, my hands are going to get tired. My feet are going to get tired. I might fall and, you know, break my leg or at least, you know, hurt myself. So I'm standing there with no, no way of knowing what to do. And then this voice comes in. Wouldn't this be a good time to check if this is actually true or not? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I start, that mantra starts to come again. God is my refuge, my security. It's my refuge, my security. And all of a sudden, I just push off. Push off the rock. Boom. I land. Piece of bamboo. Straight under my feet. Boom. Right. I turn around, look at my girlfriend. She's standing there. The blood is like gone from her face a little bit. I go like, oh, that went okay. And uh, I start to climb the rock again because I don't know. I just started to climb it again in my enthusiasm. Now my feet are like three meters in the air. The same thing happens. I'm like, ooh, you know, this is kind of, this kind of pushing it. But again, there's no, nothing I can do. There's no way where I can go. So I relax and I'm like, oh, shit. You know, I'm sort of afraid to ask again for another miracle. But, you know, the, my only choice. So I'm breathing, the mantra comes on and on. God is my refuge and my security. God is my refuge and security. So I push off. And this time, I land either on the same or on a piece of bamboo anyways. I scratch my leg a little bit. Sort of like, hey, don't ask again. And I look my girlfriend in the eyes. I go, and now she's like the blood is drained from her whole being. She's like, eyes are like this. And I'm like, uh, maybe we better go around. And then we're walking, walking. But then I realize, wait a minute. What just happened? Because I landed, I opened my eyes and I looked her in the eye. You know, the jumping off and the by accident landing on a piece of bamboo it's quite miraculous but you know my mind could make it out to be possible but this wasn't possible because i'm pushing off i'm with my back towards my girlfriend and i open my eyes and she's in front of me so i asked her and she hadn't spoken the whole time so i asked it's like well, what did you actually see what just occurred it's like, well, you pushed off, time stood still, went just like, and then you just very slowly been taken back and then 
gently turned around midair and just lowered onto that piece of bamboo. Then you opened your eyes and said, maybe we better go around it. That was the thing that really got my attention and uh, you know, I knew that she was there as a witness. Otherwise, my mind would have made up some stuff that it didn't happen, or it's just a, you know, just a thing. And that really, really, really solidified my trust in Yeshua, in Jesus. I still knew him as Jesus. And that, yeah, a little bit later, after I finished that year. I jumped into the Way of Mastery, which is a three-year course, pathway to enlightenment by that same Jesus that now is known as Yeshua, his more original name. Six months in, he gave me this. My singing voice came back. That had been gone for three years. And uh, then he gifted me a uh, chant for the Aramaic Lord's Prayer, which I had started to learn. People in the ashram were speaking it. And once I heard it, I was like, I have to know it. I, I, I want to speak that. I, you know, I want to know everything about it. So once I had learned to speak it, I was actually in Indonesia here. I was in Sulawesi. We were building a, a pirate boat with some friends. And uh, I was meditating. My friend pointed me towards a place. So I sat, meditated, breathed, chanted Abun, the first word of the Lord's Prayer, which is a really, really good practice, by the way. And uh, but then this thought came in, same voice. What if I could chant the whole thing? So I took a breath opened my mouth, and then the whole prayer came out, like sentence by sentence, forming itself into the melody, into the rhythms, into the octaves that I was just like looking at it, like, wow. And after that, I could never forget how it came out. It just was there. And I started to chant it everywhere, in the ashram for the way of mastery and on a weekly gathering where you could share something if you had something nice come through. It's like, oh, maybe I have, have something. So I asked everybody to close their eyes, breathe. So I chanted the Lord's Prayer in that way. Completed, breathe, opened my eyes, people streaming tears down their eyes. And the, the channel for it was like bowing down. Everyone like, like, okay. So I practiced with that for years, every day. And if I was doing sessions with people, I would do radical inquiry sessions, which is a modality from the pathway. I would do all kinds of sessions, but first I would chant, hold their hands, and chant this uh, alignment technology prayer for them with them 
and it would lift my consciousness, but I would also notice that it started to lift their consciousness. So they could look upon what was being stirred within them from a little bit of an elevated place. They could still feel, but they weren't moored in the experience of it. They were lost in the uh, emotional debris of it. And that went for a while. And then 2016, I was in Maui. So the, when I received the prayer was in 2013. And then I set Christmas Day, first Christmas Day, under practice, Lord's Prayer, chanting, connecting. I had other prayers that already I had downloaded and uh, brought through. The same voice, chant this, Om Namaha, Yeshua, Chanti Cristo. I breathe, open my mouth, chant. Then Mother Mary came. Om Namaha, Maria, Chanti Christ. Magdalene, Saint Germain, Kuan Yin, Babaji, all these masters, they showed up and wanted their name chanted in this way. I'm sitting there overlooking the Pacific in a place called Dragon's Nest. I like dragons. And so this expanded thing started to occur and I was like, you know, my voice had been attuned by practicing, of course, three years with the, the Aramaic prayer and already built a temple and did chanting circles in, in the temple. And then at the end, it was be sure to also chant your own name in this mantra. You know, an own being, primordial sound base underlying all of creation. Namaha in the name Om. Or I take this name to be my master teacher. I take this frequency to be my master teacher. Then put in the name and then Shanti coming from the Vedic. Peace, joyful peace. Christo, the anointed one or no one above no one below, all one. So bathing that name, that frequency in the peace of Christ. Another three years of practicing with that in circles and by myself. Then the symbol started to make itself known, which is this one when I have it. Beautiful. So it looks like a this, heart with light around it and a flame on top and a peace sign in the middle. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the 64 a, beams. Mm -hmm. But it kind of fell out of my hand. But I had, had been curious about a few statements in the way of the heart. One was... Words are but symbols for symbols and thus twice removed from reality. All right. And Shanti Cristo is an emanation from the mind of God, therefore cannot be owned by anyone. 
so those two stuck in my mind and they so I'm like okay if words are a symbol for a symbol and are twice removed from reality reality being the mind of God and here's the word then something has to be there in between and lo and behold spirit came with this symbol while I was doodling on my iPad, I'm an artist, and uh, drawing programs. And this just came in the same way, in the same feeling, as that voice spoke to me, as those things, those other things occurred. So when I, you know, I go like, wow, that's really actually, that's a really nice symbol. I love symbols. And really nice good and then spirit came in and like well maybe you want to look again how many beams of the sun are there 64 what else is 64 eating gene keys you know so what is the flame so the heart is like one point and then it starts to do the journey of separation. And then it becomes so unbearable that it starts to bend back towards itself. Then it falls into that peace sign. And then upstairs, there's this little flame. There's the Buddhist meditation. And then the eternal flame of the awakened heart. Even around that peace sign, there's like 13, it's like a cobras, two cobras for the Kundalini traditions. There's eight arrows in those beams for the shamanic traditions. So there's a lot in it. And already the Shanti and the crystal bringing together the Vedic and the Abrahamic traditions, which are the two main traditions on earth now. I'm like, okay, so then these amulets, you know, wanted to be born. And I had a big journey with the, the spiritual candy store. I had already started to do the Aramaic stuff. As you can see here. Yeah, because I saw all these uh, beautiful implements from other traditions from the tibetan tradition from hindu but in this tradition there wasn't much so like i want these aramaic encodements in jewelry and because they weren't really around i'll have to make it myself and uh, another three years passed by and last year, it started to activate more. I made a journey to Costa Rica. I was asked to place one of the amulets in the Atlantean side, in the Atlantic side, and one in the Lemurian, in the Pacific side. And sequences started to come through on how to be with this, how to chant with this chant. But it first was like mind, heart, womb. 
So to activate those womb, heart, mind, mind, heart, womb. So you would chant, for example, Om Namaha Yeshua with awareness in the mind space. Om Namaha Maria with awareness in the womb space. And then Om Namaha Ori, Ana, Chanti Cristo in the heart space. Or anybody, Om Namaha Karen, Chanti Cristo, Om Namaha Shantar, Chanti Cristo. Activating those three centers for that journey from the mind into the heart, which is the big journey we've all been told we are on, has a different, has another chapter that has opened up since 2015, I would say with the coming of the Sophia Code and the feminine Christ solidified more and more into the earth. And that's the journey into the womb. So there's mind and heart once they're connected, then the seeds of light coming from that are dropped into the womb space. That is then also connected to the heart. And from there, these flowers and these fruits, this portrait of creation can start to spring forth and indeed create heaven on earth reality. And then there was like connecting the earth star, the solar center, the throat center, and the soul star. Surrounding ourselves with the Sophia dragons, the seraphim order of dragons called, they like to be chanted as uh, Sophia Naga in this sequence. And at the end of the year, he came through with greetings. Beloved friends, it is with great joy that I come forth to bring the good tidings of the birth of a new symbol to represent the unified field of Christ, which I have chosen to call the Shanti Cristo sound symbol, which rest assured belongs, will in time replace the elongated cross as the symbol for Christ consciousness in all of its manifestations. It comes with its own mantra given by me. Om Namaha Shanti Christ comes on the rhythm, the breath of life comes with his all new alchemical mysteries. We are blessed as we bless all of creation. In the name of Shanti Christ, the peace of Christ, we are one. This alchemical masterpiece has been created as an awakening tool for millennia to come. 
it will be emblazoned in the hearts, minds, and wounds of the multitudes as the new emblem, energetic symbol for Christ consciousness, celebrating the second coming that I am. We are as God is. Amen. That, in short, is my journey. Wow. Amazing journey. Amazing journey. You know, I think that as we move into a, a more galactic society with so many wanderers and starseeds on the planet, uh, the unification of religion and tradition has to happen, really. I mean, when I'm listening to you, you're, you've got the Buddhist thing happening and the, the Hindu thing and the Aramaic and the Christian and it's all coming into one sort of sound frequency and, and sigil. And it's like the unification of, uh, yeah, of tradition, of tradition and religion. Uh, mm. I often think about how, how is that going to happen? Because everyone's so divided with their God and their guru and, and their way. It's the right way and everybody else is wrong and, and if we're all one, if we're all one extension of the source, you know, divided into this this colourful variety that we have here on Earth, it's it's all one song, and we're just singing different verses, right? Indeed. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And Shantari, Robin, Shantari. Okay, I've got to get used to Shantari again after calling you Robin. How did you meet Ori? What was your journey with Ori? <laughs> oh, gosh, I could just sit and listen to my brother all the time as well, just listening to his voices, just, you know, there is just that resonance, that knowing. Um, so Ori and I, as I mentioned earlier, have been on the pathway as pathway teachers, the the, the way of mastery, and um, we just connected up on online. And um, I was going to Bali in October last year to take a retreat over, knowing that that Ori was in Bali, I had organised to catch up. Um, I had actually already been, when I when I found Ori, went and looked at his work and um, onto the website and I was really excited and wanted to purchase my own, my own um, amulet as well. Uh, there was just a knowing. So for me, since we spoke, of course, in 2017, um, my journey has taken a, a tumultuous, um, incredible uh, continuation of um, mystical and miraculous experiences. And for me, at the time that um, I was moving through my next stage of spiritual maturity, I guess you could say, when I spoke to you last, I'd been to uh, university and done four years at uni, and that's when I went back to Robin Collins, back to the, the third dimensional world. And then when I saw Ori's work, and I'd heard his story. It's like I had this, just just this knowing because when I'd been in Israel on a spiritual pilgrimage myself in 2004, I had received a meditation practice called, I'd actually called it at the time, primordial meditation, the primordial meditation practice because it was about an inward, turning our attention inward into this deep embodiment of consciousness uh, in and returning through the multidimensional layers of consciousness 
to the primordial essence, the primordial being, point zero, nowhere, nothing, this, this ground of, of timeless abyss. It was primordial meditation, but it is working with the I am principles. Of course, the I am principles are very fluent throughout the spiritual for years, thousands of years from even receiving I am that, I am um, that Moses received from the burning bush, the voice of the divine. And so for me, I'm getting this, this sense that and this understanding that the primordial meditation I am principles was continuing to grow. I had been and had a an EEG done and had the, the practice tested, um, quantitatively tested so that I could make sure that um, when I'm in this in the in the deep meditative practice of, of this meditation that um, showed that my brainwaves were moving as I was moving through the multidimensional layers myself with this practice that my brainwaves were also moving from into alpha and theta and then into gamma and into and then on the border of epsilon so, the meditation practice was actually showing through this this measurement, um, this brainwave measurement, that the meditation was taking us into gamma. And the therapist said to me, "If we would have stayed longer, we would have gone into this into this altered state." So I had I was really getting more and more curious and excited about primordial meditation. And then when I and because I received that myself from Israel, then when I met Ori and we we have this connection on the pathway on the same lineage the same tradition there was just something in me that just knew we had to connect I sat with Ori we chanted I had phenomenal ridiculously extraordinary ridiculous um, experiences which was just divine and fun and amazing um, I don't know how many times I said to Ori that he's a freak of nature <laughs> um, but it was just so cool right and then then what happened, of course, when Ori said, you know, we, we were chanting all the names and doing the whole activation. And when he said, you know, is there another name? Is there some another name you want to call chant in? And I went, yeah, Shantari, you know, because I'd stopped using my spirit, that name that was my, so Shantari was my, this beautiful, incredible light being that came to me in the 90s. And um, she said to me, like, I am your highest self. My name is Shantari. And to use my name, use use my name as the vibrational frequency for what you share upon earth. So I did that, you know, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And, and of course, then I shifted, went back to Robin. And then I chanted this Shantari with Ori and this like, oh, my God, I just had this, this literally, this rebirthing, this overwhelming downpouring of this presence, this being of this beautiful being of light, you know, here again. And, and then I just knew I and I was also noticing I had been out of a relationship for three years and there was so much of myself still fragmented. And I was constant in healing, I was pulling back all the fragmented parts of myself back into wholeness. And doing this chant with Ori was like, it was like that was it. It was, I'm all returned every aspect, every fragmented part of myself that had been doing the human work still was re returned to wholeness. It was a felt experience. It wasn't just something that we talk about or read about. Um, was this this full sense of embodiment. And, and so with that, um, I 
in, in an instant also got right. I've returned back into wholeness. I've also returned back to the path of Christ consciousness. I had also just kind of moved aside for a while um, doing uni. And, and so it was sort of like I had to, I, I was returning into wholeness and I was to returning back to the lineage, to the tradition, to the pathway of Christ consciousness. I like the same thing as with Ari, didn't want to have anything to do with God. I also didn't want to have anything to do with Jeshua. And he turned up to me in 1998 and like, and I rebelliously said, go away, don't want to have anything to do with you. And, and it was like, so now it was, to, for me, this is not the second coming, this is the third coming, here he is again, you know. He came to me, he came to me in 1998, then again in Israel in 2004, and it's like, here we go again, he's back, the third coming, here he is again. And I was just totally um, surrendered and, and uh, truly honoured to be able to just get that sense. And I knew then that he's, he's came back always always been here it's not like I removed myself away from that but he was fully present with this this activation and this this connection and transmission with Ari it was like yes when two or more come together in my name there I am and it was that was the sense the deep sense and the knowing sorry and not just sense it was a knowing so then from then I went okay the primordial meditation practice I had also done the Aramaic Lord's Prayer back in the early 2000s. It was, again, yes, phenomenal. The um, Aramaic Lord's Prayer and the Beatitudes just in themselves are an incredible activation. And then it was like I was also sensing, you know, I am, what is, where did that come from? So I I then went into a deeper discovery that um, Yeshua said when Yeshua was asked, um, who are you? He used the words Ina, Ina. So Ina, Ina meant there was no words for I am. It was Ina, Ina, which was I, 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 my higher self and my my embodied self on this planet are one. So the I am presence is Ina, Ina, and so. Inana is the Inana system is an axiom for that just so that it's easier to say and to easier to understand. Otherwise, it's the Ina Ina system. So we came, we came back with the Inana system, which is returning this inward, this inward turning into the divine embodied primordial being on all dimensions, third dimension, the cosmic, the cosmic dimension, light, the fifth and sixth primordial abyss and so when this was all occurring with me and then meeting with Ari it's like this is something that we have both been we both received through our commitment and our, the pathway in all of our resistance because we've both been rebels right Gemini rebels and we've like prove it <laughs> and it has like it's taken as as much as our own prove it and rebellion sort of you know evidence base and it's it's we've got the evidence we've got the evidence and even to the fact that this is showing up is miraculous in people's lives so both the anana system is this inward let's go inward and deeply go into the very ground of our being and don't move because it's so easy to move and to fragment and to be seduced out of 
um, our alignment with the divine and to, to slip out and to move away from that and to be fragmented back out into that the world of soul, the mind and the suffering. And, and so the Anana system will take you inward, really deeply inward. And so, so for me, when I realized that this was the Inanna was moving us really deeply inward to the very ground of our being. And then when this chant, when I met Ori, it's like, oh my God, this was like, this was the birthing. You know, so this beautiful Om Namaha Shantari, Shanti Christo, and everyone, yes, you are Shanti Christo. It was like, this was, we're going to move into the womb, into the ground of being, into the fertile field. And my experience for this is this chant is just planting that beautiful seed. And so the prayer, the alignment, the attunement is then going out into the, in then into the quantum field. And it is, it is creating and bringing our most beautiful, incredible experiences to our lives. So when that all happened, then I said, um, Ari had, you know, said, oh, Australia, I'd love to come to Australia. And and we'd spoken about, you know, taking, doing, doing some, doing a lot of chanting and, and doing these activations, these sound activations in Australia, going to Uluru and coming together and just like, let's just, let's just bring this to Australia so that for it to be experienced with, um, with everyone here. So yeah, of ourselves, we did nothing. Jeshua did all things through us. <laughs> and uh, we truly believe that, you know, it's been, um, that's what this, uh, an extension of the miracles of the course in miracles. Um, it's an extension of this beautiful work that, that Jeshua is, is really activating on the planet. Yes, we're moving into extraordinary times and sound is definitely the technology of the future that will shift people's consciousness and raise the vibration of the planet in so many ways and unify the separation that has been so much of the human experience, this uh, separateness, uh, understanding, unify it. Uh, so it sounds like what you two are doing is exactly that, unifying tradition using sound technology and voice and mantra to do that sounds beautiful and meditation you know it's it's very much like together as i said there is this um you know we we're also bringing this this union of divine feminine and masculine together as well so there's a lot of integration it is the inward silence the very depth of the ground and being and the sound as so the sound as well so it's this incredible integration and collaboration. As I was listening to your story, Ori, talking about all the different traditions, I started thinking about how each tradition represents a intention or a frequency of the divine. And like Buddhism is very much about focusing the mind and uh, maybe Christianity or the Yeshua teachings is about connecting the mind and the heart and the Krishna teachings. Do you have any insights into what you think each one represents and the Aramaic, like Muslim teachings? And what do you have any insight on that? I, I, I do. To me, like the Buddha came on into the planet and his great realization was, it's all an illusion. Mm. This is an illusion. Then it took 1,500 years to kind of ground that in. 
the human consciousness that Yeshua came. Okay, it's all an illusion. And now from this illusion, I realize the source mm -hmm. of reality, which is love. Then becoming one with that and allowing himself to be fully led by them, to fully live that, so to create from that. So even to bring the light of truth into the illusion, embracing the illusion, mm -hmm. bringing it into reality, which is God is outpouring itself into all directions in this multitude of forms to know itself and push those limits of what is eternality and then having these experiences as us as me awakening then to the truth of my being but in the illusion so we're in i am here part of my consciousness is embodied in this in this flesh and, and what do you think the the Krishna teachings, the Hindu teachings, bring to Earth as part the, of the divine? They brought Buddhism. Buddhism is the ninth incarnation of the Hindu belief system, as I understand it. So they prepared the way for the Buddha to come. You know, the Egyptians and then the Semitic, the the Jewish faith predicted and brought forth Eshua. So they're like the pinnacles of these traditions. And then, the, you know, to stay more on the Semitic side of things. So, and this is my insight. Is it mm. true? Who knows? Mm. I don't know. This mm. is my feeling. The prophetic lineage of the Judaism sects brought forth and announced the deliverer, Yeshua, to come, the Messiah. Then they recognized him as such, but the monastic tradition, the, um, the priests and the caste from that time, they, they thought he was too threatening. So, you know, we all know the story. They colluded with the, the Romans to have him crucified. So that was a, a, quite a thing. You know, but Yeshua had made his journey all across the ancient world into France, into uh, England, with the Druids, with all these traditions in Egypt. And he went around the whole globe as this, you know, his fame sort of spread before him his promise like oh this is this is you know and a lot of the spiritual teachers the, the attuned ones from that day knew that he was coming visited him said it was a well-kept secret but he went to all these teachers around the globe persia uh, to india to uh, kashmir tibet to learn and to go like, you know, and to, to absorb whatever they had to offer. 
and because he was quite egoless, he absorbed it straight away and he, you know, took it in. And then even usually put a cherry on top. Because this is what mastery is. You know, to take from the old, to sift it through our being, and to see where we can even improve on it, to perfect it. Some of these teachers, of course, they were like, wow, super good. Other ones, they were like, yeah, <laughs> you know, who weren't yet of a vibration that could really appreciate that. You know, they would kind of run him out of town and then he just go on to the next and the next. You know, and he spent considerable time with the, the Buddhist and the Hindu teachers and the Persians of the Zoroastic, of the Egyptian, of all these traditions. So he amassed this wealth of what was already on the earth and he solidified that into his being connected to this God self, to the Father that was speaking through him. And then at a certain moment, he was called back to Palestine to start his ministry, to give his demonstration that even death has no hold on the awakened heart. So, you know, when he they crucified him, they were kind of like, oof, you know, good riddance. But when he actually came back after three days, you know, and he appeared to Mary Magdalene and then to all these other beings because he then appeared to all these teachers that he had been practicing with and that he had said to this and this is going to occur. So he appeared to them and like, it's done. It has been done. So the whole ancient world knew what had happened. That's why they could not kill the truth. Because the Romans, and, you know, they went after everything connected to him and tried to kill it, erase him from history, because they were scared. You know, they didn't want to be associated with this. Neither did the Sanhedrin of the, of the Jewish uh, traditions. They were like, no, no, it's not, the, you know, it's not him. It's like, uh, because to be connected to that, that you know, that, that, that didn't really feel good to them. But the ancient world knew. So then the Romans kind of took, they went with it after 360 Council of Nicaea. They had been killing his followers for years, for centuries. These people had to come in front of the lions. They just had to step on this one tile, put one foot on it, and then you don't have to go in front of the lions. Many chose to go in front of the lions instead because they knew this was true. This had happened. This had been transmitted to them through their grandmas, through their moms, through their hearts, through their family. Through everyone said, no, this really occurred. This was true. And that was the reason why they did. So then the Romans made a religion out of it, hence Roman Catholicism. And, you know, they took out a few little angles and remained, you know, they kept some of the story, but they had to be involved because they, this guy had figured out, this Caesar, this emperor, that to keep all his armies controlling these vast territories took a lot of 
manpower if he could get into the brain and still collect 10% of, in taxes as the tithing, that would be a lot easier. So then, you know, that goes on for another 300 years then in uh, Arabs, you know, which another story, but half Jewish, half Egyptian, was born from Abraham and the Egyptian slave girl, and not from Abraham, Sarah, Ishmael, first Arab, so he comes in, uh, Muhammad, and because people also know that the Romans have done this to the true story of Christ, so they come to point back towards the origin, towards the truth, towards the heart of this gift. Yeshua, Isa is mentioned more in the Quran as Muhammad himself. So it's all about, it's pointing back to the peace of Christ. And in every tradition, there is great practices that they all come from the, the desire, the heart's desire to be one with God. To remember, you know, that's inside all of us, inside all traditions, they come from this light. However, it's then interpreted by minds who are not yet at the level of the message that is being given to them, that is projection. So that happens. And then, oh no, this is true, which means yours is not true. But what if, what if they're both true? You know, I had this realization with the Lord's Prayer that it raises us in consciousness. And I actually measured it with a friend on the scale of consciousness. And I said, well, let's measure what it does if I chant the, the Lord's Prayer. And it raises the consciousness with 225 points. Normally, one life raises us by five to ten points if we don't do any deep spiritual work. And then at the last three amens, because there's three amens in the, uh, the version that I do, again, 35 points. So that's 255 points. That's a quarter of the scale. The next day, I see this thing on I think Facebook or Google or whatever. This uh, saint, this Muslim saint, saying in the year 1000, pray as Isa did, pray as Jesus did. And then something clicked in me like, of course, praying five times a day, if, because the, it lifted us in consciousness for 255 points, and it lasted about three hours, three to three and a half hours. It doesn't, you know, it's not like a one, one off thing. Oh, now you're, you know, you're enlightened. No, it's a practice to raise your vibration, to realign to the truth of our being. If you do that five times a day and it lasts three hours, now that started to make sense to me. You're like, oh, because then you do just do a night practice as well. You hand it over to the Holy Spirit. In the morning, you awake again and you start to activate yourself with that prayer again. 
after a certain period, things that are unlike that light have to start to fall away because there's no room for them to live because certain things just don't abide at that frequency. And not a vibrational match to you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So then I started to practice it. I think it was last year. You know, on Easter Day, I got this hit, like, okay, start tomorrow. Just go on Facebook five times a day and do this. So you follow it. So I did, and we did it for 21 days, which is, uh, you know, what they say, like, if you do something for 21 days, it has a possibility that it stays. <laughs> and then I started to count, like, okay, 21 days, how many times is that? It's 105. They're like, well, then I want 108. So 22nd days added, which is again, you know, 21 is more Yeshua, 22 is more Magdalene. Magdalene feast day, 22nd. So on the 22nd day, we would do three. Very, very good practice. Super strong. So all the beautiful things of each tradition combined, then you have something going. So if we look towards what we have in common rather than what would separate us, a name, Allah. Allah is Aramaic word for God. Uh, God, Heavenly Father, Divine Mother. You know, it's about a name which has no name that people quarrel about mm -hmm. or things that happened in the past, as in with Abraham, you know, sending Ishmael and his mom out into the desert. That's still the friction between the Jewish and the Islamic faith. You know, that the one, you know, they didn't reckon in the, you know, that German that um, generates still friction because also of course it's in the genes it's in our dna these things so uh yeah to come back to the peace of christ and this symbol that i've been giving it's an energetic symbol from its center it beams out it emanates the peace of christ so the peace that passes all understanding once we start to download it into our system and into our energy centers, it whirls up anything unlike that piece of Christ. Yeah. But because the sound vibration lifts us, we can see, we can hover above what is being whirled up. What is being and released. Like, oh, that's what I've been doing. That's see it silly. from a higher perspective. Yeah, the light. Then yeah. we can feel and embrace it. With love. And hopefully be done with it. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Yeah, the peace that passes all understanding. You hear that a lot from people that have had NDEs. They say, you know, there's a love and a peace that they experience that passes all, all, all understanding. And because we're marinating in fear here in this third density, 
this practice of returning to love is something that we need to do constantly, whether we do it through mantra or meditation or changing your stressful thoughts or challenging your stressful thoughts. There's so many ways in which to return to love, but it is necessary to keep practicing. You can't just do it once or have a spiritually awakened, you know, like have an NDE or a um, spiritually awakened experience and expect to be happy all the time or enlightened all the time. It does it does take practice, 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 practice. Yeah. Well, an awakening can bring great, can bring us this beam of light that lasts perhaps for a few months even. Mm-hmm. And, but those are times when we think we are mm-hmm. done. Yeah. I've had them. I'm sure you've had them. I'm sure Robin has had them and all the listeners may have had some of it. But that is the time to start a good practice, you know, or a good something that keeps you at that frequency. Because after a while, even those great aha moments and awakening experiences, they kind of start to wear thin a little bit. And then we get drawn back in because we think we're already there. And that's when people go like, oh. I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to stay at a certain frequency your whole human life. Because I think our human life is about experience the diversity of frequency. And in this experience, we're given the opportunity to experience density. But it is when we try to resist that density, like, no, I shouldn't be feeling like this. This is wrong. This is wrong. It's in that resistance that we suffer rather than like I'm having a really crap day today. Oh, isn't this fun? (laughs) (laughs) And and so often people will um, do their spiritual practices and everything goes really good and they they will do their practice daily, which is imperative as far as I'm concerned. And A daily practice is imperative to keep that vibrational frequency heightened. The trick is that when things are going great, and so we just back off a little bit and we, we don't do our techniques and our, we don't do our practices, sorry, and then all of the problems start coming back in again. And so this is like an immunity. It's like if you, you want to keep your immunity high, you want to keep your spiritual immunity high, then, you know, definitely make every day a practice, everything you do in the morning, three, five times a day. It just needs to be conscious of it ongoingly because otherwise it's so easy for the ego to just seduce us back into into that trauma that still it, energetically is still can be stuck so in minutely in the atoms of our being. And so it is important that we are changing our frequency by it's taken us 14 billion years to get to where we are today. So, you know, it's pretty important that we put as much attention and intention on our, our spiritual awakening as we have on everything else that's kept us unconscious. Yeah. yeah exactly. so. Embracing those feelings as a, uh, Karen said, you know, like even when we do our practice, it doesn't mean we don't get to feel uncomfortable feelings, but we have a better way of going like, oh, this must be one of my old creations wanting to come home. The effects of earlier choices that want to come home and want to be owned. Oh, I love and don't want to be resisted or given away or pushed. Oh, no, I've let go of that. 
I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. It's usually that people have pushed something away. But if we feel an uncomfortable feeling and we then, instead of closing the heart, open to the breath and try to open that heart and to fully feel that feeling, breathing the light of spirit through it, owning every little particle of it, and though the feelings, you know, the, the eyes may start to water, the, the, we start to shudder and we go like, I can't possibly take anything more. We just breathe again and open up because the heart can take anything and turn it into gold, turn it into the truth of our being. And that particular feeling that we have resisted against will never again have the same attraction or ability to catch us, to catch us off guard. And it just, you know, it just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and shrinks with each time that that alchemical opportunity comes by. Somebody gives me something that I don't like. Somebody says something that I don't like. Oh, this hurts me. Thank you golden opportunity to breathe and to be with that feeling and to go like okay can i open my heart while i'm feeling this oh they have just said something that i really really don't like i don't think it's true at all i think it's them and it is. and breathe and breathe and breathe and then in that alchemical chamber of the heart this is where these things come to rest. They get dissolved. Our attachment to certain things, patterns, beliefs get dissolved. The beliefs or the patterns, you know, there's just separation or awakening tools. If that separation device is still useful for somebody else, I'm not here to dissolve that. I'm to dissolve my attachment to them. And once you know that is done, this is Yeshua's teachings. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all else will be added unto you. Choose first love, self-responsibility, then all else will be added unto you. This is the practice. The only relationship that holds any value is our relationship with the divine, with God. All else will be provided for us. It's these simple things, you know, that we can't point outwards. We have created our experience of the outward because it's all neutral. If I'm looking out and there's a boat crossing and I once had a, an accident on a boat, I'm going to react differently to a boat passing by than you. Doesn't mean that my perception of it is correct. It's just like, ooh, yeah. I have a little something with the boat. If I can breathe into that experience, like, oh, wow, yeah, that was scary. I, that really didn't feel good. I almost died. Oh my God. I, I, when I can truly embrace that, that's where the magic happens. 
Yeah, embracing it. I want to repeat what you said. When you're having a negative feeling, negative experience, you can say, oh, this is just one of my old patterns wanting to come home. Is that what you said? I loved that. This is one of my old patterns. Yes. The effects of an old pattern, an old negative thinking, limited idea of myself wanting to be transformed or released, wanting to be loved rather than pushed away and pushed down and stuffed because it's going to keep popping up if, until I face it, until I love it and say thank you and love it and transmute it. Beautiful. Joshua says this very quickly. It's like welcoming a child back to your lap. You know, you, you see a little two- or three-year-old and they're hurt and they're crying. It's like... It's welcoming your own your own inner self and holding them back on your lap and holding them and breathing them in that space. And also, too, the Aramaic prayer and the Beatitudes is like it's so much focus is around the breath. And, you know, this I, I often share that the breath, for me, the breath is the carriage of the soul. The soul is spirit. Spirit is energy. Energy is light. Light is God, God is love. So we're breathing the breath of love. And this is all in, you know, this this is all in in the original teachings of, of Jeshua. So, um, again, you know, the, the, it's incredible now that we can see it in a much more um, modern and contemporary understanding instead of the, the old, you know, biblic um, way. Uh, and it's really, this is what's really magic about what we've got here in our new translation and truth about the the teachings and the messages that he actually came to the earth to to um, to share with us. So yeah, the breath is and is something that's very very important, especially in this in this lineage and in this tradition. Similar, like our enemies become our friends when we recognize that somebody was saying something hurtful to us. Can I see them as a divine messenger that's pointing out something to me that I'm not willing to accept of myself, that I am a part of that creation? Because in truth, I am responsible for the whole of creation because as one have we decided and asked ourselves, how would it be to have our own king? Our own king or kingdom? Kingdom. Kingdom. Mm -hmm. This is what we wanted. So this is where the journey of separation began, as one. So if I travel all the way back to that one, I must assume responsibility for all of it. So nothing is strange to me even though I can see hurtful behavior and I can go like, no, you know, I want to condemn this person for doing it. Mm -hmm. I still have to look inside. Why am I stirred? Yeah. Have I ever engaged in anything like this? Yeah, exactly. Throughout my incarnation. Throughout your incarnations. <laughs> the answer will always be yes. Yes. Yeah. Always. always be yes. Mm. Then I can forgive myself for having acted from this. And from this moment forth, I choose to teach 
only love. So I disengage from that particular uh, uh, frequency, that act. But I also don't condemn another because that's adding to the problem. If I judge, condemn anything or anyone, I put myself in the condemned box. If I judge, I am not free. Which doesn't mean I have to condone hurtful behavior. If I see somebody who wants to slap a child and I have the possibility to put my arm in front of it and then look at the person like, ah, yeah, not today, and just walk on. You know, that is a holy instance where if I'm called to act, I will act. But protesting about anything and condemning governments, condemning, you know, whatever it is. Of course, there are things that are children of the fear-based thinking mind creations of the fear-based thinking mind, they are not love, not loving expressions, but they within them, they hold the cry for love. Within the darkest of the dark, there is light. If I choose to see that light and grow that light within myself, that other one has an opportunity to come home and to start its journey on the way to embodying love on a more consistent basis. Beautifully said. Absolutely beautifully said. It's interesting that the two of you both said that you rejected Yeshua, Jesus, before he came to you. It was the same with me. That was my story as well. And I always mm. knew I always knew that the being of Jesus was a highly, you know, from a higher civilization that had come to earth to teach humans like an alien, if you like. And um, and then that was confirmed in the book, The Thayuba Prophecy, The Thayuba Prophecy. It was interesting stop. that you, you said that, you know, they you know, the Romans tried their hardest to stop this story and yet the story persisted. And so they took the story and they made the story into their own story to their own um, means to an end. Yeah, but the story persisted. And, I, and the story persists today. And it is that connection of the mind and the heart. Yeah. To, to like, to think, but to think through an open heart rather than to be in criticism and judgment and separation and fear. So, I mean, the story continues 2,000 years on. Thank you so much, both of you, for the work that you do in the world and for coming on to share a little bit of yourselves today and what you're doing and uh, have fun. When do you come out to Australia, Ori? I come again in about two weeks. In two weeks. Ventari said that you're going to do the mind, body, spirits. You're going to do Sydney and you're going to do Melbourne? No, not Melbourne. But I land in Melbourne, then travel up to Albury, then travel up to uh, Byron, Byron, Byron. Shire. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then I come down back to uh, Sydney to uh, connect with uh, Robin. Two day, one day on the Aramaic Lord's Prayer and one mm -hmm. on the... Santa Cristo sound symbol at Robin's place, and many. And then Uluru in, Uluru in August. Ah, uh, Uluru, Uluru in August. Uluru. Fantastic. Have you been to Uluru before, either of you? 
AF. Yeah. AF, no? Yeah. This is only going to be my second trip to Australia. Uh, I went there for the first time last year and I loved it. I just loved mm. Uluru. You've got to go in winter though. Mind you, you can go anytime you want, but... Um, yeah, August. August is going to be a good time to go. Yeah, August. When did I go? July, I think. June, July, August. Yeah, just before August. The two of you, what's your websites for people who want to connect more with you and reach out to you? Ari, what's your website? Website at the moment under construction. If they want to uh, connect, uh, Facebook, Ori, Anna, Lightning. Or the website is uh, spiritualcandystore.com. YouTube, ori.ana.lightning. And mine is Robin Collins, R-O-B-Y-N. So www.robincollins.info. Correct, that's the website. And I do have a YouTube channel and also on I'm on Insight Timer as well. Insight yeah. Timer, that's an app, right? Yes, yeah, it's a meditation app. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you both for being on the show. It's been beautiful thank to you. chat with you today. Thank you. I look you forward for to seeing you soon. Again. Yeah, it's, a joy. it's amazing. Pleasure and honor. See you soon.